What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 20 through 25. Acts chapter 12, 20 through 25. And the title of the message today is Dying of Pride or Living to Thrive. Dying of Pride or Living to Thrive. Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 25. If you're just joining us, again, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And we are working our way through the New Testament on Sunday mornings, and we are in uh, the book of Acts, or the actions of the disciples after Jesus goes back to heaven, and uh, the growth of the church and the power of the Holy Spirit. Once you have turned to Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 25, you'd like to stand, we'll read the Word of God together this morning. Acts chapter 12, verse 20. Luke, the author of Acts, says this, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king, the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, This is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had accompanied their service, completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word that is alive, that is active, that shapes and molds us, that deepens us, helps us to produce fruit that is honoring to you. We pray, Holy Spirit, today that you would open up our hearts and minds, receive your word with joy today, that it would be planted in our life, that we would honor you. We give this service to you. We ask that you would anoint these lips of clay and flesh, that these would be your words and not mine. We love you and we thank you, and we're truly nothing without you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat. Well, this marks the official halfway point of Acts. And so you could almost take, uh, you know, if you're watching it on DVR or, or whatever it is you watch on, you could almost hit pause at this particular section because we, for the first 12 verses or chapters, we have focused on two main things, the church in Jerusalem and a guy named Peter, who was also Jesus' kind of right-hand man, if you will. Those are the two main focuses of the first 12 chapters. This marks a break from that, and from chapter 13 to chapter 28, it's going to be focused on two main things as well. 
It's going to be focused on the growth, explosive growth of the church worldwide, or in that day, the Roman world. That was the whole world at that point, as, as far as they understood. And it's going to focus on a guy named Saul or Paul, same guy. And so, just as a bit of information, uh, we, it's kind of a, a halfway point, and, and uh, Paul will kind of pick up the baton from here on, and we're going to focus less on Peter and more on Paul going forward, at least that's what Luke does uh, for the rest of Acts. I think it's interesting that chapter 12, if you were with us last week, you know this, if not, you can listen to it online, but uh, chapter 12 begins and ends with this guy, King Herod. It begins chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you were with us last week, you remember. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 begins with this same guy, King Herod, and he arrests a bunch of Christians or followers of Jesus, and he arrests one of the 12 disciples, James, and he cuts his head off, and it pleases the Jewish people. And as a result, he goes and gets Peter, who was the leader of the church at that time, and he is going to cut his head off as well. But, as we talked about last week, because of the power of a praying church, Peter was set free and delivered and escaped the clutches and death sentence that the king had. So it begins with, in chapter 12, King Herod is on top and Christians are being persecuted on bottom, if you will. It begins with King Herod persecuting Christians and Peter, we don't know if he's going to make it out alive or not, but notice how it ends, the exact opposite. The church is back on top, Christianity is thriving and flourishing and it's king herod now who has died interesting interesting passage interesting chapter how it begins and ends herod agrippa uh, who was the same herod here reigned only for three years over all judea and was 54 years old when this happened josephus a jewish historian writes this exact account and this is what josephus says happened on this day, during the same event, he flaunted his power in front of an unusually large crowd in the theater of Caesarea. And I've been to that theater. You can go there today, Caesarea in Israel. It's this massive theater that King Agrippa's grandfather, King Herod the Great, and he wasn't that great. He was kind of psychotic. But King Herod built huge theater, can seat literally thousands of people, maybe even 10,000 people. And so it says, uh, Josephus says that he's in that theater in Caesarea, Josephus states that Herod wore a garment made of complete silver, and when he came into the sun, it, it was so brightly reflecting off of him that everyone shouted, you are a God, not a man. You are a God, not a man. You are a God, not a man. So I want you to get this image in your mind. You're out in this Caesarea, and where this theater is is literally on the coast. It's beautiful. It's right on the coast, and, and uh, the audience can see the coastline, and you can see all the ocean, and you're right there. Herod walks out. And he is dressed from head to toe in complete silver. Now, I don't know if it's a silver garment or actual silver. If it was, that'd be quite heavy. But he walks out. And what does silver do when it hits the sun? It reflects. So I want you to imagine if you're just a regular person and you're in the crowd that day, an unusually large crowd, it says, thousands of people. And all of a sudden, King Herod walks out and the sun hits his garments. And it is so bright, you literally can't even look at him. I mean, you don't have sunglasses in that day. You can't even look at him. It's so bright that it's blinding to your retina. It's burning your eyes. And he gives this, Luke says, this great speech, this great oration. We don't know what it was about. But the people immediately respond, this is the voice of a God, not a man. I mean, he kind of looks like a God. He's shining so brightly we can't even look, like, look at him. This is a God, not a man. And Herod immediately is struck down and dies and is eaten 
by worms. Not eaten by worms after he's dead, like put in the ground, but internally. He had worm, heartworm disease, basically, and worms in his stomach. It was an incredibly painful and humiliating way to die. Think about it. If you're the king and you're a god, not a man, you don't die humiliating deaths. You die honorable, honorably and nobly. So to die by eating by worms, your heart is rotten away like a rotten apple. And the inside, it, it looks good on the outside, but the inside it's eaten away by nasty worms. So it was with Agrippa. Why? Because of pride. Simply put, he gave himself the glory and not God. Pride leads to destruction, but God's truth always leads to triumph. First thing we want to look at is pride leads to demise. Pride is a one-way ticket and it is the basis and foundation for demise. What begins in pride today, right here, will end very soon, tomorrow or a few months or a few years, maybe even decades, in your ultimate demise. We'll look at a few examples in a few moments, but pride leads to demise. Herod's pride led to his own death. Verse 23 is really the key verse of this passage, and it says, Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down. Why? Because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. I want you to think about, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, remember a few weeks ago in Acts chapter 10, verses 25 through 26, we talked about Peter. He's the same Peter that, you know, followed Jesus. And Peter had this vision, and God told him to go talk to this uh, Roman official. And when he gets there, he walks into the home of a high-ranking Roman military official. This guy's extremely wealthy, very, very well-known in the, in the world in that time, in Caesarea, the same place that this happens. And when Peter walks into this Roman official's house, the Roman official uh, named Cornelius, and all of his household, so we can imagine dozens of folks, fall on their face, and the Bible says, worship Peter. You can read it in Acts chapter 10. They worship Peter. But notice what Peter does. He says, get up. Don't worship me. Worship Christ. Don't worship me. I'm just a man. I am no different than you. I'm made of flesh and bone just like you. I'm no different. Don't worship me. Worship Jesus. Notice the contrast and comparison here. We have Peter, who people try to worship him, high-ranking officials, and he deflects the praise to Christ. Here we have King Herod, whose heart is full of worms, figuratively and literally. And instead of deflecting the praise, he just basks in the sunlight, basks in his own glory. People shouting, this is the voice of a God, not a man. This is the voice of a God, not a man. The one and only true God utterly humiliates this arrogant earthly ruler who has not only opposed the work of God on earth, but also dared to put himself in the place of God. You understand, the sin here wasn't what the people said. This is the voice of a God, not a man. That's not the sin. The sin is Herod saying, that's right, this is the voice of a God, not a man, and don't you folks forget about it. That's the sin. You know, it's one thing for people to say, oh, you're a great person. Oh, this is so great. It's another thing for you to say, well, yeah, I am a great person. Yeah, I am really smart. Yeah, I do have a lot of money. Yeah, I am really intelligent. Yeah, I am a great leader. And not give God the glory. That's the sin. He did nothing to correct them. And, and not to get too off track, but, but this same account happens in the Old Testament by a guy named Daniel. It's the same Daniel that the children's story, Daniel and the lion's den. It's a factual account. But in Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 33, and I want to read this to you. Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 33, this exact same thing happens to another king, Nebuchadnezzar. 
Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. Daniel says, All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, he said, Is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my own majesty? I mean, this guy reeks of pride and arrogance. Verse 31, look at what the Bible says. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice from heaven came and said, This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken away from you. You will be driven away from the people and live with wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately when he had said that about Nebuchadnezzar, it was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and ate grass like an ox. Look at this. His body was drenched with the dew until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails grew out like the claw of a bird. I mean, it's humiliating. Think about the arrogance of this guy walking on his palace at night saying, isn't this beautiful what I have built? And why did I build it to give God honor or glory? No, I didn't even build it for my own country or the pride of our nation. I built it for myself. I did such a good job. Look at what a great king I am and a great leader I am. And as soon as those words are still on his lips, they haven't even fully exited his mouth, immediately God says, that's it, Nebuchadnezzar. I've had enough of you. And for seven years, you're going to wander the grass, you're going to wander the field, and you're going to eat like an ox. And that's exactly what happened. The body, his hair on his body grew out like a nasty mangy dog. The nails on his fingers grew out like an eagle. I mean, just disgusting and humiliating. And for seven years, the people of Babylon said, that's our king? That's the best we got? Humiliating, disturbing, and disgusting. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Understand, God takes pride extremely, extremely seriously. You might think you can get by with some things, and really at the end of the day you can't, but God takes pride like number one. How do you know that? It's like the first two commandments in the Ten Commandments in Exodus. God says, no other gods before me. Don't make any graven image. I am it. Don't worship any other god. What are these two kings trying to do? King Nebuchadnezzar and King Herod. They're saying, you know what, God? You're all well and good. But they're trying to kick God off the throne of being the supreme being of their nation and of their life and replace him with themselves. That's pride. That's arrogance. You might ask, well, why? Isn't that uh, God? Is he some kind of a glory hog? Is God some kind of insecure cosmic being that, oh, I have to have all the credit myself or I get mad and offended and I'll strike you down? That's not it at all. But understand this quite logically. God is the supreme creator of all things. We are his creation. For the creation to worship itself instead of the creator is utter perversion. It's utter chaos, by the way, and it's utter anarchy. 
Instead, it is the creation to worship the Creator. And, and not worship because we have to, or if we don't worship, God will strike us down. No, it's to worship to say, God, you are so awesome. God, you made all the heavens, and you made all the stars of the earth, and you made all the mountains and the ocean, and all these beautiful animals. And God, you even made me, and God, you love me. And I just want to say thank you. God, I just want to acknowledge that it's you that's the Creator. And God, I love you with all my heart. That's what He wants. That's what worship is all about compared to King Herod. No, you know what? God's fine, but I'm just as good. You know where that comes from? Satan. The Bible says that Satan was, was an angel and a beautiful, if not the most beautiful angel of all of God's creation. And Satan got in his mind that I can be equal to God. And he convinced a third of all the angels in heaven, don't know how many that is, but it's a, it's a third, convinces a third of the angels to agree. You know what, Satan? You're right. His other name was Lucifer in heaven. You're right. You can be equal with God. Well, didn't work out so well. He's banished from heaven along with a third of the angels. Pride is extremely serious. Pride is a direct ticket to destruction. Why? Because pride is removing God from the throne of our life and replacing Him with ourselves. You're basically telling God, I know better than you. It's the creation trying to control the creator. Jim Collins, who is a leadership uh, corporate guru, and, and I'm a fan of, of, of a lot of his works, but wrote a book, and I think it was 2010, somewhere in there, about the 2008 economic collapse in this country. The title was How the Mighty Fall. And you heard that term, and you still hear it now, too big to fail. And he wrote about how these big corporate entities thought they were too big to fail. And one of the chapter titles and one of the main reasons why the destruction of the economic collapse in 2008 was a term that he uses that I love. It's called hubris. The word hubris literally means excessive pride. We're too big to fail. Nothing can touch us now. Understand for King Herod, worms didn't kill him. The angel didn't kill him. God didn't kill him. Herod, his own pride, killed him. That's what was his demise. It wasn't the one, those were all avenues. Those were all uh, things that helped along the way. But it's his pride that was his own killing. Same thing with King Nebuchadnezzar. It's his pride. He was a self-made man. Maybe you've seen that statue. I've seen it before. It's a picture of the statue literally chiseling itself out of the marble. And the bottom of the statue says self made man pride maybe you know people who their arrogance is so loud they're unable to listen when you stand for yourself in pride and arrogance you stand against God if we could bring King Herod back right now and interview him that's exactly what he would say that's what King Nebuchadnezzar would say that's what literally countless if not thousands or millions of people would say as well I stood for myself I stood in pride and arrogance, and I stood in direct contrast against God. You know, it's similar to talking about kings and thrones, and it says in verse 23 that King Herod got up and he sat on his throne. This obviously isn't a throne. It's a chair that somebody got off of Craigslist. But I want you just to imagine King Herod coming out that day in his royal robes, and there's thousands of people, and, and uh, as soon as he walks out, shining from head to toe in silver, 
and he sets down and he gives this great speech and the people are all, all of you are shouting this is a voice of a God not a man hopefully he won't do that today after the message but but some people would shout that they'd be shouting that and instead of saying wait 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 no I'm just an earthly vessel of the supreme creator he says that's right it is all about me you know what pride is really all about what we what we've been talking about is the throne of your life that is only made for one person to set on and that is God God's not being a glory hound God's not insecure but God is the being that created you therefore this belongs to him his the throne of your heart the throne of your money the throne of your family the throne of your politics the throne of, of your community everything in your life literally should come from this throne and it's only big enough for one person and it's not you the throne of your heart the throne of your eternal destiny has only place for one we don't co-chair rule our life with God there's only one throne and it's not meant for me to sit on it it's not for me and God it's not for me and my spouse and God me and my kids me and my politics me and my money it's God alone and anytime you don't get anything else anytime any person tries to say God this this is for you but for this one decision this one time if you could just kindly get up and move and God will because he's he gives us free will he's a respecter of people God if you could just get up and move I'll let you come back in a few moments I got to make this quick decision and let me just hurry up and 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 okay that's what we're going to do and that's the decision okay God now it's back to you one-way ticket to destruction what no matter what the decision is about your family about your money no matter what it is theology doesn't matter there's only room enough for one in the throne of your life and anything or anyone other than God sitting on this throne is pride well I, I wouldn't think of it like that hey it's pride it's pride Herod is a lot like a lot of politicians where he's got a lot of sycophants around him just telling him whatever they want to hear, you know. Oh, King Herod, you are so great. Did they really mean it? Did the crowd really mean that? I doubt it. Maybe some of them did. Low information people. But I think most of them were just saying that to kiss up to him. There's a lot of politicians that do that now. The people around them, their inner circle. Oh, whatever you think. Oh, that's a great idea. It's a brilliant idea. Do they mean that? No. It's flattery. Think about actors and actresses in Hollywood. Same thing you're brilliant that's a great idea flattery this throne is made for one person and it's not you it's not me it's not the priest down the street it's not the denomination it's Christ alone it is the only being that created you which is him not you and him or you and something else he alone when you move him from the throne of your life of the decisions that you make you're really saying, God, if you would just move, I know better than you on this one issue. I know, God, that when I die, I'll go to heaven, and I know that theology and doctrine and heaven, that's your realm. But this one decision, I do know better than you. That's what you're doing. Maybe I never thought of it like that. That's how God thinks of it. I know better than you in this one area. Any government, any nation, any city, any family, any individual, who tries to kick God off the throne will find them in a one-way ticket to destruction their arrogance is so loud they're unable to listen as we said when you stand for yourself when you sit in the throne that only God is meant to 
you stand in direct contrast to God himself. Herod learned that. King Nebuchadnezzar learned that the hard way. Pride is the cause of Satan's fall, and it's also what he tempted Jesus with in Matthew chapter 4. It's God's glory, not yours. Let me say this as well. Some of you might be saying, Brian, no one's ever going to call me a God. No one's ever going to call me a genius at anything I do. No one's ever going to just really lavish praise on me. That might be true, okay? I'd probably agree with you. Same thing with me. But be very cautious that you're not in the crowd that day. And in 2008, along with a presidential candidate, hope and change, people were saying very similar thing. Maybe not he's a God. Maybe some of them did. And to their own demise. Be so cautious that you don't get caught up in a moment worshiping a preacher, worshiping a pastor. Well, I would never really worship them. But when you're in that crowd, oh, this person's so great. Anything that they write, I just love it and I read it to pieces. And oh, I love to listen to this guy or oh, I love to follow this person, no matter who they are or what they are. Be so cautious not to be caught up with the crowd that day. Don't give flattery to people. Here's what you need to do. Check your heart for any trace, any hint of pride. And really the question is, who's sitting on the throne of your life? There's only room for one. Who's sitting on the throne of your money? Who's sitting on the throne of your theology? Who's sitting on the throne of your attitude, of your family, of the decisions of your life? Well, secondly, if pride leads to demise, truth leads to triumph. And we don't mean any old truth. We mean the truth of God's scripture. Notice how Luke puts this. I mean, it's just, it's masterful what he does here. But look at verse 23 once again. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck Herod down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. Verse 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Almost as if to say, in your face, Herod. Here at the beginning of chapter 12, you are trying to suppress the word of God. You're trying to arrest and kill Christians, and that's what he did with, with James. But now at the end, Herod is the one that is dead, and God's word is the one that is exploding in growth, that is flourishing. Truth always leads to triumph. Herod died, thought he was on top of the world, but God's truth continued to thrive. No power can triumph over the word of God. And those who attempt to harm, harm God's people will in the end face judgment themselves. The chapter opens with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod triumphing. It closes with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God triumphing. While pride leads to demise, God's truth leads to triumph and thriving. Understand this quite simply. Those who oppose will be deposed. Those who oppose God's truth will one day, maybe not in this life, but in eternity, unfortunately, will be deposed themselves. Those who oppose the, the growth of God's word, the expansion of the message of Christ, Christianity, Christians, etc., those who oppose that and try to stop that will find themselves in direct contrast and fighting against not Christians, but God himself. Well, now, how do you know that? Well, again, read Acts chapter 9. 
Paul. That's exactly what happens, and that's exactly what the Bible says. Paul is a guy arresting Christians, killing some of them, or at least letting them be killed. He's arresting them, and on his way to Damascus to arrest and put more Christians in harm's way, Jesus shows up and says, Paul, you're not killing these Christians, you're killing me. You're not persecuting the Christians, you're persecuting me. Any person who opposes the truth of God's word or government or nation or organization will one day find themselves deposed, themselves kicked off, destroyed. God's word will continue with or without you. Remember when we said when you stand for yourself, you stand against God? When you stand for yourself in pride and arrogance, you stand against God? The opposite is just as true. When you stand for God, he stands with you. Peter can tell you all about that. Tyrants, this was a quote by uh, the, the famous theologian and pastor John Stott. Tyrants may be permitted for a time to boast and bluster, oppressing the church and hindering the spread of the gospel, but they will not last. In the end, their empire will be broken and their pride destroyed. Governments can either help grow God's truth or just stay neutral and stay out of the way. But any time they try to step in, any time an individual, whether it's your boss or a family member or a pastor, whatever the case is, tries to step in, they're opposing not you, but God himself. And in the end, they themselves will be destroyed. You say, well, you know, can you give any kind of facts or examples? Well, two very, very quickly. One, as a nation, think about the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union believed and taught firmly, outlawed Christianity, outlawed the Bible, not just outlawed it, but said there is no God. They were atheists. The entire Soviet Union, all of it. You couldn't have a Bible. You couldn't talk about Jesus. You couldn't talk about Christianity or God for that matter. None of it. What happened to the Soviet Union in the 1990s? Destroyed. I'm telling you, it's real. It's happened before. Whether other people or entities acknowledge it or not, it happened. That's on a big scale, a Soviet Union. Now, did it happen overnight? No, it took years and decades. And now, it's, it's almost the reverse. In fact, I think in many countries in the former Soviet Union, it is the reverse. Christianity is flourishing and exploding in those nations. Those who oppose God will one day be deposed. Another example is an infamous lady named Mary Madeleine O'Hare. Maybe you older people remember her. She's the one that brought before the Supreme Court the case against prayer in public schools. When you read about the life of Mary Madeleine O'Hare, it was an atrocious life. I'm not talking about before the Supreme Court case. I'm talking about afterwards. Her and her son lived bitter lives, were uh, defrauded people and themselves robbed of thousands of dollars and were murdered and left alone to rot the rotting bodies in the woods. It's real. It happens. Don't let anybody fool you. Oh, come on, that's, that's hocus pocus. No, it happens. Whether it's an individual, as we just talked about, or a nation. My grandma, I'm blessed with godly grandparents on, on all sides of my family. Love all my grandparents to death. Can't wait to get to heaven and be with them all. But one of the things that my grandma always told me was, Brian, she knew I felt called to be a pastor. She said, Brian... Never go for the gold, meaning money. Don't be in ministry for money. Don't be in it to, to you know, have nice cars and all that stuff. Don't, don't be in it for that. And never go for the glory. Don't go into ministry and saying, that was a good sermon I just preached. I mean, it was awesome. It was up there with Billy Graham. 
No, don't do that. And some of you know, and I hope that you do know, when you come up after a message, say, boy, that was great today. I, I always be very, very quick to say, hey, that's not me. It's just what the Bible says. It's not me. Never go for the glory. Look at what a great ministry we have. Look at what a great pastor I am. I'm such a great guy. Build a plaque in my honor. Never go for the gold. Never go for the glory. In the night from 1995 to 2000, the famous Brownsville revival took place in Pensacola, Florida. I went down there several times. I had a family member who was a secretary of the lead pastor, John Kilpatrick, and I stayed at her house during my uh, my senior trip. You know, a lot of seniors want to go to the beach and party, or they want to go do crazy things. I wanted to go to revival. I'm that much of a dork and a geek, okay? But uh, I wanted to go to revival. We went there. We stayed at her house. Her and her husband. And I would stay up almost all night and her telling stories about this amazing revival, how people were changed and saved, incredible moving of God and things that took place. And one night as we went to the service that night, she told me beforehand, she said, now tonight, what's got service started at seven, went on like six nights a week. In the beginning, went on seven nights, but six nights a week. She said before every single night, this went on five years, before every single night, every single service, the, the leadership team, the worship team, the evangelist, the pastor, so on and so forth, they all gather in the back, the back of the church, behind the stage, and they pray. There's about a hundred of them, and they pray heaven down. She said, but this is what they pray in essence. God, what's going on at this church is strictly from you. This is a move of God. We prayed it would happen. We believed it would happen. But God, this is your thing. This isn't John Kilpatrick's thing. This isn't Brownsville Assembly of God thing. God, this is a you thing. And God, we acknowledge and recognize that just as you have blessed us with it night after night, you could easily take it away. So God, this is your service. Whatever we want to do, we dedicate and give this night to you. Every song that we sing, every word that we preach, everything that takes place, God, it's yours, not us. And God, when people talk about this revival and the people that are going to be saved tonight, lives that are going to be changed, marriages that are going to be restored, people that are going to be set free from addiction tonight, it's not because of a sermon, it's not because of a pastor, it's not because of a worship leader, it's because of you. Every night. That's a prayer I have prayed every time I get up to speak God's word and preach Here's what you need to do about this. Always make sure you're standing on God's truth and not your own version of it or someone else's version of it, no matter who they are. Read the Bible for yourselves. Know what the truth says. And anytime you stand on the truth of God's word, it leads to triumph. You may not experience that triumph in this life, but I promise you, promise you, promise you, in the life to come, you'll experience more than you ever could dream. When you stand on pride, it's for your own demise. When you stand on the truth of God's word, it's for your own triumph. As we end today, understand a few key things. The glory, the credit, the honor, whatever you want to call that, the praise, the acknowledgement, whatever word that you like to use, belongs to God alone. Why? Because he's arrogant, or why? Because he's insecure. has nothing to do with that. Because this is his throne, not yours. This is his church, not mine. There's not enough room to co-chair only him. He is the creator. He created me. He knows what's best for my life. How dare I say, God, I know better than you on this one issue or these five issues or whatever. So God, I'm going to kick you off and I'm going to try to steer the ship on my own. 
you know better than God. Really, the creation is telling the creator they know better. Instead, God, it's your life. You created me, and I give my life right back to you. This is your throne, not mine. And anything good in my life, I give you alone, all honor and glory. God, if I'm successful in business, it's not because I'm smart and I work hard, although those are great contributing factors, of course. It's because you bless me. My family owns several businesses, and that's, uh, you can talk to my dad, doesn't have a, a, a college degree to his name, not even an associate's degree, but very successful in multiple businesses. And every time I try to ask him, what are, the, what are the keys to having a successful business? What's the key to being successful? Well, you gotta have a good marketing strategy, son. Well, you gotta have a three-step financial plan for the next 10 years. Every time, my entire life, son, it's not me, it's God. I can't tell you why other than I give him all the glory. It's God blessing. It's God blessing. We have a beautiful family that loves and serves God. Yeah, some of that is because you're a great parent, but some of that just God's blessing. Everything in your life, I mean everything, big and small, is a direct blessing from him. And don't be too careful to just say, well, you know, take it for granted. No, be careful to always give him the praise. My wife will tell you, you can find me at different places, at different times throughout the day, at different places throughout my home, uh, throughout the day, just throwing my hands in the air. God, thank you for this house. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my son. Thank you for our church. God, thank you for what you've done. God, this is you. It's not because of me or what I've done. It's a direct blessing from you. Pride leads to destruction, but God's truth will always lead to triumph. God's message will not be stopped by anyone or anything, no matter how powerful. When you stand for yourself in pride, you stand against God. When you stand for God, He stands for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and for Your truth that always leads to triumph. In fact, Paul says that in the New Testament. He says, praise be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. In other words, Thank you, God, because you always lead us in a parade of celebration and thanksgiving for what you've done in our life. So, Father, let us always be very, very careful to never say, yeah, I did deserve that. Yeah, I did earn that. Yeah, it is because of me. Let us be so careful to not even have the stench or a hint or flirt with what Herod and King Nebuchadnezzar was their demise, and that is pride. What was the demise of Satan himself? But let us stay humble like Peter in Acts chapter 10. Say, don't worship me. Worship Christ alone. Father, that our life would be a giant mirror that people do not look at us or if and when they do, all they see is you. We reflect not our own things, but we reflect you in all that we do. In our thoughts, in our speech, in our attitude, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank you. With every head bowed, you're here this morning. You've never... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.